0: Can you hear me now? Good. Can you hear me now? Good. Can you hear me now? Good. If you were alive right around the year 2000, 2002, and had television available to you, it was hard to miss that national ad campaign by Verizon Wireless, right? And the idea was this guy was walking across the country and all kinds of famous landmarks and so forth and asking that question, Can you hear me now? Is the reception adequate? Can you hear me now? And over and over, the answer was good because, of course, they had the best network, right? And so reception was available everywhere. Well, that's the title of this new sermon series, Can You Hear Me Now?, And it's a question that I think we sometimes ask God, but it's also a question I think God sometimes wants to ask us. Can you hear me now? So whether it's God to us or us to God, the quality of our connection, the ability of us to receive that connection is really important. And so if there was a subtitle to this series, it would probably be increasing our connection with God. It's a message series on prayer. And I've been wanting to do a series on prayer for some time and really focus in on prayer. And so as we go through this, I want you to keep in mind that prayer is not just something we do with our hands folded and our heads bowed and our eyes closed. The real heart of prayer is communicating with God. And there's a message uh, or a, a comic strip that I have seen online and I have shared with you before. It's called Coffee with Jesus. I highly recommend you have coffee with Jesus every day. I had coffee with Jesus this morning and yesterday. I'm planning on it tomorrow. If you don't like coffee, have tea with Jesus. Have orange juice with Jesus. Spend time with Jesus every day. And this comic strip that I wanted to share with you today, the, the lady, who's kind of the main character on the screen uh, in just a moment, there we go, uh, says, if God is sovereign Jesus, then why dot, 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 why pray, and Jesus asks. And so then in the next frame, uh, she says, and omniscient, clearly, right? And Jesus says, well, that sounds like somebody you'd want to get to know. This is the goal of prayer. Is getting to know God, communication with God. It's not just praying to get things or praying to change things, even though there are scriptures that encourage us to do this. It's not just praying that God would bless us or others, interceding for others, asking God to move in our midst, all of which are encouraged throughout scripture for us to do. But the real goal of prayer, the real heart of prayer, is communication. Between us and God, and true prayer is two way. It's not unilateral. It's not just us communicating to God or God just communicating to us. True prayer is a two way communication. I've been quoting Willard a lot lately because we did a series from his book, but his definition on prayer is one of my favorites. It's merely conversation with God about matters of mutual significance conversation with God about matters of mutual significance. Now, I had a real treat this last week. It was an impromptu walk with one of my kids, and we just got to go for a walk together and spend about 30 minutes outside on a beautiful day, and we talked the whole time. And what was such a blessing about it, there were several things, and I wrote about it in my gratitude journal the next day, I said, thank you, God, thank you, one that he wanted to... <laughs> There were a number of things they could have done, stared at a phone or, you know, uh, been busy playing a game or t- doing something else, but they wanted to go on a walk with dad. And then I also thanked you know, that the setting was so beautiful and it was so nice, but, but the real treat was we talked the whole time, you know, and it wasn't this structured interrogation or anything like that. It was just talking about matters of mutual significance. And it was a real treat. And as I was thinking about that, I thought, you know, I wonder if God ever says to Jesus and the Holy Spirit, I had a real treat this morning. I got a 30-minute walk with one of my kids. And we just talked the whole time. And I'm so thankful that that's what they wanted to do with that 30 minutes. And I'm so thankful that the setting allowed for us to just exchange and converse about matters of mutual significance. You see, good communication increases connection. It increases understanding. It leads to communion, to a common union. And that's the goal of prayer, is communion with God. And so we're going to spend some time talking about prayer, and you're going to even get an opportunity to practice what we've been learning, Uh, Round week four of this series, November 11th and 12th, we'll have another 24 hours of prayer. Now, there's two types of people that I want to come to the 24 hours of prayer. Last time we did a 24 hours of prayer, we had more people engage in that than we ever have before, like by 60 or 70 percent more people. So the first group of people that I want to engage in the 24 hours of prayer is everybody who did it last time. Okay? So if that's you, make sure you sign up for somewhere in this 24 hour period. It starts on a Friday night at 5 o'clock, so you can do it right after work. Uh, it goes through Saturday night at 5 o'clock. So you can check in anytime. You can come for 30 minutes or an hour. We've had people come for three, four, five hours of prayer. So that's the first group. The second group is everybody who didn't come to the last 24 hours of prayer. I want you to come to this one. I, I think it's a blessing. Nobody has ever said, doggone it, Pastor Mark, I am so mad that you invited me to that 24 hours of prayer and I went and spent a whole hour praying in the sanctuary. I have never heard that. I've heard just the opposite. I've heard people say, I signed up for half an hour and I stayed an hour and a half. The setting was just so peaceful and calm. And I was able to relax, and I was able to hear from God on some areas that the ambient noise of my life had just not really allowed me to to plug into. It's a, it's a time that is structured and set up, and the environment is intentionally crafted to increase your connection with God. So, November 11th and 12th, I want you to sign up in the app. I want to, we want to, as a staff, fill all 24 hours so that somebody is in here praying the entire time. And and for those of you that were part of the last one, we had you go through the whole building. We're not necessarily going to do that this time. We're just going to come into the sanctuary and back out. There's some other things happening in the building that will make it difficult to do that. So I want you to sign up. You can do that in the app. You can do it by scanning the QR code that's on the screen. You can go out here uh, to the table in the lobby, and there's a sign-up sheet there. If you do sign up there, make sure you grab one of these little cards that has the instructions for how you get into the building so that we can provide a secure place Doors not just open all night for anybody to come and go, but you have to have a code and everything, and those instructions are in there. If you sign up online, those instructions are emailed to you. So, so that's going to be one of the practical applications. For those of you that like, I want to know something that I can do, this will give you an opportunity maybe to try some of the things that we're learning as we go through this series and talk about how good is our connection and how can we improve it. How can we strengthen our connection? How can we hear God better? And how can we be sure when we pray that He hears us? How can we know these things? And so we'll be looking at Scripture and we'll be looking at at prayers and, and things that are given to us through Scripture, different ways that we can increase our reception and boost our signal strength. Because there's not just the download from God, but there's the upload. How can we hear Him more clearly? How can... We boost our signal strength, and and even kind of at the end here, what is one way that we can always reestablish that connection with God? So we're going to explore those things over the next four weeks, but today, we're going to ask that question from God's perspective. My child, can you hear me? My child, can you hear me? As if God is asking us, his, his children, can you hear me? Can you hear me? And so Psalm 19, David writes these words, and I can just imagine him sitting out with the sheep, looking up at the night sky, or watching a sunrise or a sunset, and saying, The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they display knowledge. There is no speech or language where their voice is not heard. Their voice goes out into all the earth. Their words to the ends of the world. So our bottom line today, sometimes I save it for the end, sometimes I give it to you early and often. Today's an early and often day. Our bottom line today is God is always speaking. These first few verses of Psalm nineteen tell us that God reveals Himself through His creation. Paul says something similar in Romans chapter one, when he says that what can be seen and that God can be seen and clearly understood from creation. That even apart from his word, even apart from his spoken revelation to us, that he's revealed intelligent design. He's revealed that there is, is somebody creating this and sustaining it. And scripture tells us who that is. But David continues a little later in that psalm, and he says, "...the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple." The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure. lost my spot. Enduring forever. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The ordinances of the Lord are sure and altogether righteous. They are more precious than gold than much pure gold they are sweeter than honey than honey from the comb by them is your servant warned in keeping them there is great reward god speaks to us through his word that's the the main thrust of those four verses in fact the longest chapter in scripture is psalm 119 it's 176 verses every single verse speaks about the word of god in some form or fashion the testimonies the precepts the promises of scripture And every single one holds up the value of God's Word. God speaks to us through His Word. God speaks to us through prophets, through teachers, through fellowship with other believers. God speaks to us through His Word and through those who speak His Word. Romans tells us that faith comes by hearing and that by the Word of God. God speaks to us. He promises in Jeremiah 3 that He will send out shepherds, among his people, to speak his words, that he will send priests. Priests speak to God for people and to people for God. In the New Testament, there are apostles, there are teachers, there are evangelists, there are prophets, there are those who speak the words of God, and they aren't always the professional clergy. Often it's, it's the people, it's in your fellowship group, it's, it's in your banding together group. It's when you open up and you share something with somebody and they can speak a word into that, or they can come with encouragement, or they can Call out a scripture that comes to mind and share that with you. So, God is always speaking, but we are not always listening. Whether it's indifference, anger, misunderstanding, distractions, we're not always listening. Sometimes our antenna is not up, sometimes we lose connection with the source. Sometimes our phones are turned off, right? And so the call doesn't come through. Other times, we're too busy. And so we send the call to voicemail. And then our voicemail box gets full, right? And you can't even leave a message. I had that happen this weekend, so I texted the person, right? Because it's so important that they hear what I have to say. And so when I couldn't leave a voicemail, I texted them, hey, did you know your voicemail box is full? You should do something about that so that I can leave you a message, right? Right? I wonder if God ever feels that way when we just send him to voicemail and then the voicemail box is full because of all the other messages that we haven't gotten from him, right? Sometimes we have very poor reception. The circumstances of our lives, our attention. I wrote in my journal that, you know, reception is usually better on the mountaintop than it is in the valley. Sometimes our reception is poor because our circumstances have us in a valley. Yet, David said, even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil because I know you're with me. Whether I can feel it or not, whether I can sense your presence or not, I know for a fact that you're with me. Your rod and your staff are protecting me from things that I'm not even aware of. So we can know that he is with us. Sometimes our attention is divided by lesser things. And honestly, everything is a lesser thing than what God is wanting to say to us at a given moment sometimes we're too busy talking that we don't stop to listen to what God might want to say to us. And so with that as a backdrop, with that as sort of a launch pad, there's a couple passages that I want to look at, one from the New Testament, one from the Old Testament, on this idea of hearing God, on this idea that God is always speaking. Are we always listening? So the first one comes from John 10, 27. Just one verse Might sound familiar, you probably don't need to go there necessarily, it'll be on the screen behind me. When we get to the second passage, I'll give you a page number and you can follow along. But this is Jesus speaking to his followers, but also to some Pharisees, right? Those people that aren't following him, but they're hearing what he's saying. He's addressing them as well. And he says in John 10, 27, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them. And they follow me. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them. And they follow me. There's all kinds of relationships that are taking place here. And Jesus is saying that his sheep are his followers. You see the connection there? My sheep follow me. If you cut out the middle section of that verse. He's speaking to his followers, and chapter 10 provides context. If you read the whole chapter, he's using this extended metaphor of a shepherd and sheep and a sheepfold and the gate on the sheepfold, and he's drawing all kinds of spiritual connections to this, so it's powerful, and I would encourage you to read John chapter 10 this afternoon and and meditate on it and see how it informs this verse in particular. But just this last month, we've been talking about this idea that the Lord is my shepherd. We spent a six week sermon series on Psalm 23, the shepherd psalm, that begins with that statement The Lord is my shepherd. Therefore, I lack nothing. And if the Lord is our shepherd, then you're one of his sheep. That's the relationship. He's the shepherd, we're the sheep. And so in Life Without Lack, over and over, we talked about remembering. And, and don't just move on. It's so easy to do this. It's so easy to just move on. Okay, Life Without Lack is over. I know I only read four chapters, but it's over. i got to get on to the new thing. No, keep, like, remember. What does God say over and over in the book of Deuteronomy is as people are about to leave the wilderness and go into the promised land, he says, remember, 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 remember what God did. Teach your children so that they'll remember and remind them to remember. Well, what does the remember mean? Remembering means living as if something is true. It's not just an intellectual exercise. It's a physical exercise. It's living as if something is true. So we want to remember that we are invited to live a life without lack. We're invited to live as if that's true every day. And every day we can say that affirmation. We don't have to move on from it. We can say, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. And allow that to remind us to live that day as if it's true that a life without lack is available to us. But with that said, there are two verbs in particular in John 10, 27 that I want us to pay attention to. They're the two things that his sheep do. They listen and they follow. Those are the two verbs. He says, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. Really important that we listen and that we follow. And these are very strongly linked together. You see, this word that we translate as listen really is speaking about a active listening, actively hearing what God is saying. But not just that, it, it moves beyond that to comprehension, to giving attention to it, to considering it, to giving it consideration. And then there was this definition in in the word study that said to yield obedience to the voice of another. Well, that's to follow. If, if you call out to me and I come to you, I'm yielding obedience, I'm following you. And so in this case, when Jesus says, my sheep, listen to my voice, that leads naturally into following him. It's to yield obedience, to not just hear and dismiss, but to give attention and consideration and action and obedience. So the first verb that I want to look at is listen. The second one is to follow, which flows naturally out of listening. To follow one who precedes. To join him as his attendant. To accompany him. That's what that, that word that we're translating as follow, it, it, it literally means to come alongside, not just momentarily, but, but there's relationship implied here. To become a disciple, essentially, because a disciple is a follower, a learner, an apprentice. That's what a disciple is. And I think sometimes we overcomplicate this. And we think, well, gosh, discipleship's just this huge thing where I become perfect, just like little Jesus walking around, and I got to change the way I dress, and I got to change the way I talk, and I got to change everything about me. And maybe there's some things that need to change as a result of following Jesus and being a disciple. But so much of discipleship is learning to live my life as Jesus would if he were me. That's what. Being a disciple of Jesus means to me is learning to live my life as Jesus would if he were me. And so as I try to be a disciple of Jesus, I try to be the pastor of Linwood Wesleyan Church, the husband of Heather, the father of Keaton, Ryan, Owen, and Carson, as Jesus would if he were me. That's discipleship. And you can start that today. Anyone can start that today, and we can take our next step in that today. We can follow him, we can listen to him, and we can follow him. That's what discipleship is. That's what it means to be a follower of Christ. That's what it means to be one of his sheep, is to listen and to follow. And so to kind of wrap this all together, if prayer is communication between us and God, and if God is always speaking, which I believe he absolutely is through creation, through his word, through others, then we must make sure that we are always listening. God is always speaking. Are we always listening? And there's a very strong warning if you're reading the Banding Together reading plan and the journaling in the book of Hebrews, in Hebrews 12.25, there's this very strong warning that leapt off the page as I'm preparing for this message. It says in the New Living Translation, which is what I'm reading right now, it says, Be careful that you do not refuse to listen to the one who is speaking. And he's drawing this comparison between Moses at Mount Mount Sinai in the Old Testament and how the people refused to listen to him and how God is always speaking and the people often refuse to listen to God today. We must not refuse. We must not ignore. We must not forget. We must not fail to prioritize. We must make sure that we are hearing, that we are listening actively, that we are obeying, that we are putting feet to what we hear. We spend time in God's word every day, that we spend time in prayer, hearing from God, that we get out a journal or lower the ambient noise in our lives so that we can hear from God, so that we do not refuse to listen to the one who is speaking because to hear, to listen, to obey is to receive a blessing. That's how good God is, that when we do what he says, there is a blessing that comes with that. The first blessing of obedience is obedience itself. Because God is good all the time. Now, the last passage that I want to look at, and then we'll kind of close out today's message in this passage, so you can turn to it. It's Isaiah chapter 30, verses 15 through 21. If you've got one of the blue Bibles from the seats in front of you, it's page 1104. And this broader section, we're not going to look at the whole thing, but it starts up in in verse 1. And in the New International Version, they, they have these little subtitles for sections, right? And I couldn't help but notice that the subtitle for Isaiah chapter 30 is Woe to the Obstinate Nation. Oh my goodness. Is that not America? In many ways, it's an obstinate nation. It's a stiff-necked nation increasingly getting farther and farther from God. And we can bemoan that all we want, but we have to make sure that we don't become a part of the problem and that we will not be obstinate, but we will listen, we will bow, we will yield to God and to his voice. And so this is Isaiah speaking to the nation of Israel at a time when they were particularly obstinate, but I think he could say this message to us today. And so in verse 15, where I want to start, this is an unbelievably powerful verse, and we're going to move through this one or two verses at a time. But this verse emerged middle of my sabbatical, and became sort of the theme for this sabbatical. It's a powerful verse. It says, this is what the sovereign Lord, the Holy One of Israel says, in repentance and rest is your salvation, in quietness and trust is your strength. But you would have none of it. And so it is a powerful verse, but it's also a haunting verse to see the truth that it contains. And yet the rejection of that truth by God's people and how much that must have pained him. And so to kind of break this down and help this become a little clearer for certain people, people like me anyway, I like to write out what I call kingdom math sometimes. There's an equation that is listed here. There are actually two equations that are listed here. And I like kingdom math because kingdom math is very different than the world's math. Kingdom math says that if God gives you a dollar and you give him a dime back, he blesses all of it and you don't even miss the dime. That's not the world's math. Kingdom math says that repentance plus rest equals salvation. Really? Because there's a lot of people saying really loudly that you work for it. You work for your salvation. You don't rest in your salvation. You work for it. You work hard for it. And there's all kinds of legalism. There's all kinds of rules. And you do this and this and this. And you don't do that and that and that. And you work hard. You do more. You try harder. And that's how you find salvation. But God says, no, that's not the equation. That's not the kingdom equation. The kingdom equation is repentance plus rest. Equal salvation. Jesus says at the end of Matthew chapter 11, come to me all you who are weary and heavy laden, who are weary from working your tails off, burned out on religion, I think the message translation says. It says, come to me and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and lowly of heart and you will find rest for your soul. But that's not, that's not how we want to do it sometimes, is it? It's not in repentance, our own, looking at our own sin and turning away from that. We want to condemn others. And we don't want to rest. We want to strive. We want to replace rest with activism sometimes and be stiff necked and obstinate versus bowing to receive a blessing. So the first little equation of kingdom math is that repentance plus rest equals salvation. The second one is that quietness plus trust equals strength. Huh. So you mean sometimes the best thing I can do is shut up and trust God? Yeah, I think so. Quietness enables us to hear God. You realize that? Like sometimes I'm so busy talking that I can't hear what he has to say. Maybe he needs to send me a text message in the middle of a conversation that says, shut up, Mark, and listen for a minute. I'm sure that's not the case for any of you, but sometimes I need to just be quiet And something happens in the quietness that can never happen with the noise. One of the greatest discoveries of my sabbatical, now three months later, was that I need to spend 30 minutes alone with God, with nothing in my ears. And walking works better than anything else. And there is something that happens in the quietness that doesn't happen any other way. And I used to listen to all these podcasts and audiobooks and all those things I'm going to listen to and read fewer books this year than I have in prior years. Because I always had a book. I'd even walk around in the gym down here when it's too cold to walk outside with a book, you know? Because you're just doing a circle. It's four right turns and continue, right? And so you can read. But I didn't ever listen. I didn't ever hear. And so when we're quiet, we can hear. And when we trust then we can do what he says. We can obey. Trust and obey. Trust and obey for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. sounds an awful lot like John 10, 27. But don't forget that, that last phrase of that verse, that haunting part, but you would have none of it. Basically saying to God, no, you shut up. I got this. And we see that attitude in the next two verses in verse 16 and 17 God is still speaking he says you said no we will flee on horses therefore you will flee you said we will ride off on swift horses therefore your pursuers will be swift a thousand will flee at the threat of one and at the threat of five you will all flee away till you are left like a flagstaff on a mountain like a banner on a hill abandoned losing the promised land and that's what happened And they were shipped off all over the world. They were taken by other nations and and taken. You read about it in Daniel. You read about it. The the exile. Whole generations were exiled. Because they would have none of it. Because they said to God, no, you be quiet. We got this. We're going to be fast. We're going to flee on horses. It's not going to work. It never does. And I Speak this to you in the middle of October in an election year where billions of dollars have been spent to make you anxious and angry and fearful. And billions of dollars will be spent to keep you that way. And too often we're picking up the, the weapons of this world instead of trusting God and being quiet. And resting in him. Yes, you should vote. Yes, you should be politically active. But do not pick up the weapons of this world as you do so. Because too often, we're not even voting for the people that are for us. We're voting for the people that are against the people we're against. And that has become the climate that we live in today. And I don't think it's a climate that Jesus would endorse. I don't think it's a climate that makes God happy. And so we have to learn to lean into God, to trust God, because what follows these two verses, which are so depressing, is so beautiful. What follows in verse 18 and 19 is so beautiful. It is so powerful. He says, yet the Lord longs to be gracious to you. He rises to show you compassion, for the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all who wait for him. Oh, people of Zion who live in Jerusalem, you will weep no more. How gracious He will be when you cry for help. As soon as He hears, He will answer you. This is promise of Scripture. In verse 18, when it says that the Lord longs to be gracious to you, and then at the end it says, blessed are all who wait for Him. It's the same word. Wait and longs are the same word. God is waiting and longing to be gracious To those who are waiting and longing for Him. To be gracious means to give what we do not deserve. And He has done that for us in Christ. He has settled this once and for all, for all time. He has done this for us. He longs to bless those who are waiting for Him. And so then in verse 20 and 21, although the Lord gives you the bread of adversity and the water of affliction, your teachers will be hidden no more. With your own eyes, you will see them. Now, this is a little tricky of a verse, okay? I had to scratch my head on this a little bit. I had to read it in multiple translations. I really like the English Standard Version. The English Standard Version of this says, although the Lord gives you the bread of adversity and the water of affliction, your teacher, not your teachers. Can we put ESV up on the screen? It's the next slide. Your teacher, capital. And ESV doesn't capitalize things on accident. I always capitalize the pronouns, whether the version does or not, for Jesus. You probably noticed that. But it's talking about your teacher, Jesus, our teacher. The Holy Spirit, our teacher, will not hide himself, but your eyes shall see your teacher. Are we looking for him? Are we looking to follow him? Are we listening for him? And then there's that whole bit about the bread of adversity and the water of affliction and, and I dug around on that for a while and not a lot of is said about this. Not a lot in the commentaries. Not a lot just like what is the bread of affliction? What is the water of adversity? Or bread of adversity, the water of affliction. And what I realized is that both are still nourishing. That sometimes affliction nourishes us in a way that ease cannot. Sometimes adversity draws us into deeper resources into God himself. And I think the The bread of affliction and the water of adversity, I'm sorry, the bread of adversity and the water of affliction, they increase our hunger and thirst for God. That when we go through adversity, when we go through affliction, we need God more. And if we will draw into him more in those moments, we will find that he can satisfy our hunger, he can quench our thirst. And then, whether you turn to the right or to the left, in verse 21, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is... Is the way. Walk in it. Whether you turn to the right or left, this is the way. Walk in it. He will be with us. He will be for us. We will hear the voice always of the Holy Spirit. And this verse 21 is a contrast to a couple of verses we didn't read. Verse 9 and verse 11 talk about the people being unwilling to hear and leaving the path. And God says, you won't be able to not hear. <laughs> You'll hear a voice behind you. You will hear it. And it will say, This is the way, this is the path. Walk in it. This is the Holy Spirit promised to us by Jesus. That when we come into a relationship with Him, when we hear His voice and we respond in faith to that, in quietness and trust and in rest and salvation and, and repentance. We begin a relationship with Jesus and he gives us the Holy Spirit to speak to us, to remind us from his word, to point us and to give us direction through prayer, through other believers, through sermons, through books that we read that provide insight into God's truth. All of these things happen and we hear this voice and we gain wisdom and we gain discernment because we hear the God who is always speaking and we listen to him. Invite the uh, worship team to come up As we prepare to close, I'll remind you our bottom line is that God is always speaking. And we are always blessed when we listen, when we obey. So I want you to try something new this week. I don't know what your prayer rhythms are, but if you have never gone for a 30-minute prayer walk, I want you to do that. Take nothing with you, nothing in your ears, no distractions. Just go for a walk. If you can do this in nature or in some place that's like woods, maybe that'll be really nice. It's supposed to be a nice afternoon, maybe a little windy. Try outdoor campus. There's lots of trees. It cuts down the wind. That's one of my favorite places to walk. But go and do that. And maybe you do prayer walks all the time. Then I want you to just try 30 minutes of silence and stillness before God with a journal open. And write down what what comes to mind. Maybe start with a scripture. Read a scripture and start reflecting or meditating on that scripture. Psalm 139 that Pastor Ryan shared this morning would be a great one to just read through that and then spend 30 minutes in prayer with God. If you've already done those two, then get creative. There's all kinds of ways to do this, but, but try something new in your prayer life this week. And see if it doesn't increase your connection with God. And then share it with somebody. Share it with a friend. Share it with somebody at this church. Share it with somebody that doesn't go to this church. But I I pray and I believe that in repentance and rest we will find salvation. In quietness and trust we will find new strength. So if you're hearing this, if you're watching online, if you're here in the room and and you don't have that relationship with Jesus, you've never begun that relationship with Jesus, then then this is good news for you today. That in repentance, in turning from your sin and in rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust, that will be your strength. So today can be a day you begin that relationship with Jesus. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we're so thankful for your word. We're so thankful that you are a God who is always speaking. And we hope and pray, and we ask you to help us to be a people who is always listening, to be your sheep, to hear your voice, to consider it, to follow it, to trust you, and to obey. And for those who, who might be feeling the Spirit nudging them to lay down their burdens, to, to open their hands, to say, Lord, I confess. I've been doing it my way for far too long. I have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and I ask you to forgive me. I turn from my sin. I run to you. And I ask you to lead me and guide me into the truth. For those that have been following for a long time but have gotten distracted, the ambient noise of our lives has grown so loud that we can't hear God through the clatter. I pray that we will get quiet before you. Listen to what you have to say to us. And that we will find that you are always speaking. It is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.